Each season, Guys Telling Stories seeks out fascinating people with a good story to tell. I'm Bill Easton. The man beside me is Rich Douglas. We're a couple of guys who love a good story. Join us in our quest for finding fascinating people with a good story to tell. This is Guys Telling Stories. Welcome to season four, everybody. How was that? Uh, Bill, was that uh, was that your... Uh, I've been working on that. Was that your theater voice? Theater voice. Yeah, it just sounded like... Uh, a little cold, though. No, you sound like Morgan Friedman. Oh, yeah? I, you sound mm. like something. I, uh, nice job there. Well, a lot of... You, you've kept me in suspense. We did the preview... You did a preview, and, and I, you said you're going to tell me who this guest is. You're going to tell me who the guest is, <laughs> as as the listeners already know, because it's labeled on the podcast player. Our guest today is Chad Brodsky. Chad is the leader in the brewery tourism industry. He is the founder of City Brew Tours, and he has companies and businesses. Here, put in- this on. You got to wear your necklace. <laughs> got to wear your lanyard. <laughs> Uh, he just actually handed me a, a <laughs> VIP necklace, uh, a lanyard from Chad. <laughs> he, um, Chad is the uh, is the founder of these companies, and they're in six different cities all over the Northeast, Bill. It's incredible. I'm sitting here trying to get mine up and running, and this guy's got six. I know, I know. So, you know, maybe we can uh, learn something from him and uh, hear how he started his story. But uh, how's, uh, how's business going for, for you, especially with the holidays right around the corner? The state of New York has been uh, a challenge, and they have all the paperwork. So um, we are kind of on our way to, I think, getting some stuff done. So hopefully they're happy with the paperwork. They send it back or basically call and say, you're ready for the next step, and we can uh, take the bus to get inspected. And then once the bus gets inspected, and uh, we are, we're good to go. So, so far, so good. And I'm hoping that um, this will be done before the holidays roll around so we can maybe run a couple special tours, maybe some small ones for friends and family who have been supporting us. And, uh, um, you know, I plan on asking Chad, you know, some questions about how he got started. Well, let's get to our guest, Chad Brodsky. He's an innovator, Bill, in the beer tourism market, a founder of City Brew Tours, the leader in brewery tour industry. Uh, You mentioned uh, off-air that it was the best brewery tour uh, experience you've ever been on, right? Yeah, it was super cool. It was, um, this this guy just took us right into the back room. It was great. You know, walks right in like he owns the place and gives us a nice tour and it, that, was, it was a great experience. That's where you got these cool. That's lit- it. That's it. <laughs> I figured. Well, we're hoping to, uh, we're hoping to hear how he started this uh, new sector of his business and rose to the top. And you know, maybe he can give you a story uh, that can be something like a, a go-to resource, Bill, for your uh, new journey with your own brew bus company. Let's do it. All right, let's give Chad a call. All right, Chad, welcome to the show. Hey, Rich. Hey, Bill. How you doing? Oh, awesome. Doing great. Awesome. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, well, you should be. This is a nice surprise, Rich. Yeah, a nice surprise. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chad, I think uh, you and I touched base a little while before, but you know, Bill's been trying to get a business like uh, what you've been doing the past 10 years off the ground for the past you know, 18 months. And uh, you know, you're by far the most successful one in this area. Um, uh, you, know, you have different types of tours all across you know, the Northeast, so can't wait to hear your story. No, my pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah, you know, before we get too far into it, can you tell people who are listening where they can find more about you or your business online? Like, where should they go? Sure. So the company is City Brew Tours, and it's just citybrewtours.com, and they can see a, a live availability 
as well as all of our different tour options. We offer tours in six different cities uh, right now. So we're in uh, Boston, Baltimore, D.C., Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and then Burlington, Vermont. We went on a tour. I'm just going to get that out of the way now. We went on one of those tours uh, not that long ago in Washington and, and had a great time. So um, definitely, if you're in one of those cities, uh, check it out. Um, little uh, icebreak story. You had something. Uh, how'd this get started? Like, give us a little. This is what I want to do. How? Like, how? How did it happen? How did it start for you? Sure. So it started back in 2008. Uh, I was a college student at the University of Vermont. I had just come back from studying abroad in Austria, kind of fell in love with beer there, also acquired my first pair of lederhosen. (laughs) And so I went on my first pub crawl in Austria, and I was like, well, it's the recession. I'm a finance student. There's no internships around. Mm. So what I decided is, like, I'm going to start my own company. It's going to take people. It's going to – in Burlington – used to be able to drink as much beer as you wanted at each location and just drive it. And then people would just get in their car and drive to the next place. So I thought, all right, I'm going to create this product experience that's this ultimate craft beer experience in Burlington. But it started from very humble beginnings. It started with me taking that, that later hosen that I acquired in Austria and walking up the streets of uh, Burlington uh, go, and – just essentially being who wants to go on a brew tour. And you'd imagine a lot of people probably didn't want to go on a brew tour with a guy <laughs> wearing lederhosen. But my first tour ever, I was in the mall, the Burlington Mall. And this is Burlington, Vermont. Mm-hmm. Just to, uh, and this guy looked miserable. He was shopping with his wife and daughter and clearly didn't want to be in the mall. And he sees this guy coming up with German lederhosen. And I'm like, do you want to go on a brew tour, <laughs> sir? And he's like, yes. And it was the first tour. It was essentially a mandate. I fed him. I entertained him. We had small talk. Taught him about beer. And Wait, just him? <laughs> Did not the just other... him. I said, I've oh never done this before. This is a first. Uh, and that was, that was the first tour that was ever given of brew tours. I heard that story. I didn't think it was true. The Lederhosen part. I was just like, there's got to be something exaggerated about that story. Oh, you, oh they told you. Steve told you yeah. that on the tour. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Oh. I did, that's not, they're not supposed to tell that story. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I may have bribed him um, to, and this is before we even, uh, podcast aside, before we even um, thought about talking to you, I may have uh, had some questions for him. I may have bribed him. <laughs> But. You know, did uh, on that mandate, did did the guy go like, "Hey, so uh, so, what do you do for a living?" <laughs> you know, did he uh, did he like make small talk, or did, was he all in? Because I personally have been there more recently with registering for the baby and you know going shopping for different things. I would love for someone to steal me away for a mandate where I'm going <laughs> and drinking a beer. So no, uh, I kept I I kept it as if it was a full van because that's what I was expecting my first tour to be a full van clearly that wasn't the case and uh i just said this is the first time i've ever done this one person tour he didn't know it was the first time i ever did any tour uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh good for you 
you know, and if but yeah, that was the that was the first brew tour. Ever. Our listeners are familiar with that Vermont area. When we spoke with uh, John from the Alchemist Brewery last year, we heard mm-hmm. so much about the history of the brew scene there, and you guys had some kind of overlapping influences, right? Yes, definitely. So Burlington, back in two thousand and I think seven, it was six was ranked as one of the top beer cities in the world, the number four beer city in the world. Um, in Burlington, there was six breweries all within a mile or two from each other. And this was before this kind of craft beer revolution that has taken place throughout the country. Uh, but I started the tours. I reached out to Vermont Pub and Brewery. The founder of Vermont Pub and Brewery is Greg Noonan. He's a luminary within the craft beer world. Uh, he wrote multiple books, got people into home brewing, wrote books on lagers, scotch ales. And he was such an influential person that John Kimmich, who you're talking about, the founder of The Alchemist, essentially made a pilgrimage to Vermont Pump Brewery from out west and uh, arrived at uh, Greg Noonan's doorstep and been like, teach me, how, teach me everything you know. And uh, that's kind of how... The For me, I knew I needed Greg Noonan's kind of blessing. So I reached out to him as a college student, not really knowing much about beer, and be like, this is my idea. Do you think this is doable? He loved it. He kind of took me under his wing and gave me the street cred to go to these other breweries and onboard them and get them involved. And without Greg Noonan's help, I don't think I would have been able to do that initially as this 21-year-old uh, green behind the ears college student trying to start a beer beer tour business without knowing much about beer. These uh, these Vermont people are bold, is what I'm learning from... They're, they're willing to... <laughs> so far, our experience is they're just willing to put it all on the line. Uh-huh. You know, I, uh, I, I, I respect the ability to walk up to a man, like you said, a luminary, uh, like a, a trailblazer, and just say, hey, I, I have an idea. What do you think? Yeah. And I guess the next natural question is, is you're giving these tours, where'd the, where'd the van come from? Yeah, so the van, the van came about, uh, looking for a van, didn't have much money, found a van in New Hampshire. It was uh, currently a, uh, it was a church van, actually. So it used to be a church van, and now it drives beer goers uh, and beer enthusiasts around. It actually no longer, we retired that van because that was a 2000, that was a 1998 uh, Ford Econoline that I got from a minister in New Hampshire. And so I like to say beer is next to godliness. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you so, go. I mean, figuratively speaking, I guess it's tongue in cheek. Did he give you his blessing? <laughs> Did you tell him what yeah, you were doing? It was, it was, <laughs> I didn't really know much about buying vans at the time. Tell uh, me about so I don't know if I would have purchased it now. Well, it worked. It it you know yeah, you got to start and, somewhere. And that, and that van kind of went from every city uh, up until uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was the only city that hasn't didn't ever got the the original brew van. 
Well, it sounds like you're well on your way here. And if we can kind of take people back a little bit to your roots, when you're starting this business, what's the family thinking? Uh, parents, siblings, even even friends, uh, you know, <laughs> what are they thinking of you with this idea dressed up in this lederhosen? Yeah, most people under 21 don't even know about craft beer. They're like, I just want vodka and cheap beer. Yeah, they want a 30 rack or yeah. something cheap. Yeah, and I was actually in a fraternity. So a lot of my buddies in college were like one of the another reason why i started the company was just to spite them because they all <laughs> said that i couldn't start the tour i love it and so and they were obviously we we're all drinking bush light and whatnot <laughs> right. and so they're like this isn't gonna work everyone wants like it's the college town so i was like you're wrong it's gonna happen and then from my parents perspective i actually lost my parents uh when i was in high school and the beginning of college so well, I know how proud they would have been. That kind of gave me the motivation to make, to do. I never, I'm never happy with just the status quo. It always has to be more. And I think that's part of that is uh, due to losing my parents at such an early age. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. But uh, yeah, they'd definitely be, they'd definitely be proud of, of what you've accomplished in such a short amount of time. Yeah. And, you know, along the way, um, did they have any influence on you starting the business? Yeah, so they did leave me a little bit of money, and I was able to take uh, the that uh, about three thousand dollars and purchase the original brew van from that minister with that money. It makes a lot of sense. That was now. pretty much the only startup. That was that was the only money that I had to I started with the company. It was just that three thousand dollars. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. $3,000 and the blessing of a minister. That's it. There you go. I guess in a pair That's of lederhosen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I got to go find a minister. <laughs> and, and you need some lederhosen. Oh, so. yeah. Those are the two things I'm missing. You don't have- Actually, we stopped doing the lederhosen thing because I was getting complaints that people didn't want to see my legs on <laughs> tours. So we, we kind of... we. We sunset the later hosen. Oh, I wish I knew that ahead of yeah, time. Time, time to get some t-shirts. Yeah. There are some videos of me. There, not videos. There are some photos on the website if anyone's interested <laughs> of me wearing later hosen in the beginnings uh, under the about us page in citybrewtours.com. Awesome. I guess moving right along too, I know that a lot of people have it in their minds to have what I guess nowadays it's called the side hustle, you know, before it might, might be a part-time job or, you know, like a, like a night job, you know, but when you first started this, if I'm correct, you weren't doing this full time, were you? No, I was actually doing, I mean, I had a full-time job, uh, on the side. I was working in finance at a local credit union and I, I was, I was during I was got all my work done, but even though I got all my work done at the credit union, I would be answering phone calls for brew tours during uh, like office hours. So people, everyone around me, started complaining that I was like taking brew tour calls and like dealing with customers Mm -hmm. while I was working in my office job. To the point where the credit union blocked every single one of my websites, so I couldn't access them from my work computer. Huh. Uh, I hate that. (laughs) If you're getting your work done, who cares? Yeah, I was getting my work done. And it was just the people around me were complaining that that I was doing all this other stuff during work. Did you you should have taken them on a tour. (laughs) (laughs) They did not get on a tour. That's probably why they were complaining. That's right. You know, and I think our listeners out there too can understand that things have changed in the past ten years. 
a decade ago, it was kind of frowned upon to have anything else going on at work while at work. Mm -hmm. And even if you were a, a mom selling jewelry or makeup, you had to sort of keep that thing separate or maybe just pass around the sign-up list. But nowadays, I think, um, you know, bosses or people in management, they're almost proud to see that you, you have that drive and that motivation to be doing something outside of the regular work week. Um, and my and my and my boss actually knew I was doing this and was and just knew that this was like what I was meant to do. So she didn't really she wasn't upset about it. It was everyone else that was upset. So my boss, so they would complain to my boss and they would just be like, well, he's meant to do this and he's getting all his work done. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it sounds like now you this is all you do uh, from what yeah, I so gather. In 2012, I quit my I quit my job and. Without knowing for sure if the Burlington was going to be able to uh, cover my expenses, and then I moved to Boston to open up Boston. So I was weekly commuting from Burlington to Boston, running tours on the weekends, and then coming back to Burlington. What's the distance? Until I finally made the plan. And Burlington to Boston, just for the viewers, is about four hours drive. So. I was on the road a lot. Yeah, it sounds like you were you were really hustling, but there, I'm guessing, a larger market. A larger population, maybe more tourists, for example. Um, yeah, so the size, just to give you a relative size, Burlington's about thirty to 40,000 people, not including college students. Boston's about 3 million in the greater Boston area. Yeah, I've been to Boston twice this just this past summer, and you can drive for an hour, and it's like a major city, and you can get nowhere. And you know, there's some people that live, you know, just outside of it. Stuck in traffic. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, that's what I mean. There's just so many people, and there's all these neighborhoods to explore. And I'm sort of thinking, though, or maybe you can talk to this a little bit. Was the craft beer scene like booming when you first started to make those commutes? So they were actually. It was just happening. So it was in 2011 was when all of the breweries in Boston opened up. So like your Night Shifts, your Idle Hands, your Mystics. Uh, these are just three breweries that are well-known within the Boston area. But three breweries opened up in 2011. So, was, so they were now just hitting their stride in 2012 when we opened. If it was before 2011, I couldn't have, Boston probably wouldn't have had enough breweries to run a tour. So I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, you're a charismatic guy. You've got a, a good business plan. But how did the breweries respond to you knocking on their doors? I think the fact that I had the Burlington operation up and running and established for almost four years at that point gave me the credibility of coming to Boston. If I didn't have that, I don't think it would have been as easy to get to break into that Boston market. That, that makes sense. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And did you have to make them any promises? Hey, we're going to bring a certain number of people in. This is how much you know um, it's going to cost you. Or maybe it doesn't cost them anything. You're just bringing people through the door. No, so we definitely pay our breweries. Uh, we, they have to put a product, that, and, we, and we want to make sure that they're growing with our growth as well. Uh, so there were no promises made, but more of just expectations laid out that we really wanted to make sure we can deliver on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just seems like you are uh, almost like a lifetime ahead of where we are here. I mean, we just got well, Uber. Well, thanks, Rich. Oh. Well, no offense. <laughs> we just got Uber and Lyft in, in the end of July. 
I mean, the just the mentality of people here, of course, tourists are different, but the mentality of people here from traveling from the suburbs to downtown and back, whether it's for a play, a show, to see the water, it's it's just something where there's, um, it's, it seems like you were taking a market that was booming and providing a service where people were like, why wouldn't I get on the bus? Yeah, this so- is, this is, this is great. Um, it, it just seems like a great opportunity, but I'm sure it wasn't all just like, you know, sunshine and paychecks and bags of money at your door. You know, there had to be a couple <laughs> of, uh, obstacles along the way. Sure. Definitely. Um, I mean, with Boston, I think it's important just for the, uh, the listeners to understand is, it's not just transportation that what we offer our tours. It's this tight, this brew experience. If anything, transportation becomes, and I don't know if Bill can uh, relate to this considering he's been on the tour, but uh, transportation just becomes tertiary in regards to the entire experience. It's coming from your having your beer expert guide, these beer food pairings, going behind the scenes of these different breweries. So one thing that kind of differentiates ourselves from other tour companies that might be in this space is that we work with about 80 different breweries at almost 99% of those breweries. We give the experience at those stops. So the breweries uh, respect us enough to let us go behind the scenes and represent their brand. And that's something that we're really proud of, that they give us that ability. And But that didn't always happen, that we had to build up that. So I think that's probably one of the difficulties that we came into uh, that was an issue for us was being able to have someone available to give tours. So whether it's finding guides or having the breweries available to give those tours. So I'd say that was definitely uh, a pain point when we started opening tours and just running tours. And that was, uh, that was accurate um, on our tour as well. We were on a Friday uh, evening it was a long it was a long tour it was five to maybe ten thirty and it ended up being uh mostly because of of some traffic in d c but um by no means when we got on on the in the van did we expect to get off the van and walk right past a bunch of people waiting to take a tour of a brewery and walk into the brewery room and actually get a tour of that brewery ahead of everybody else that was waiting for somebody at the brewery I see. to bring them in. So, But that's what exactly, that's that is what, exactly happened. what happened. And what that does is, you know, that all that time in traffic that we, uh, we, we waited because it's just traffic, um, when we got to the brewery, the brewery's packed. And there's, there's people sitting down waiting for an actual tour that are just sitting there waiting. And we went right through and... Steve comes out and he's got a couple pictures with him and we have glasses and mm-hmm. we get to taste things and everything started in a in a split second of getting there. It was there was no waiting when we got there. So and the the other benefit too just in regards to that also is the fact that instead of going from brewery to brewery you hear a when one brewery staff if you're just going on your own you're hearing the same thing at each brewery mm-hmm. but if you have Steve uh, or or any guide that we have on our company they curate the entire education based on the breweries that we go to so we might talk about fermentation at one stop talk about sours at another stop and kind of bring that into this cohesive curated experience quick break to talk about podcastyourstory.com Life can pass by pretty quick. Wouldn't it be great to have a recording of your loved one telling the story of their life? 
Well, the professionals at podcasterstory.com record an audio interview of you telling your story. And the final product is a podcast you can share online with family, friends, or the entire world. From what life was like when grandma was growing up, or that story about how you two met. Capture those moments with podcasterstory.com. And our listeners get 20% off your first recording. Just mention promo code GTS. That's 20% off your first recording with podcasterstory.com by mentioning promo code GTS. Now, back to our interview with Chad. The word that keeps running through my mind right now is trust. So I, I just, I'm mm-hmm. curious how you managed, not of course, not overnight, but over the course of a, a, a handful of years to gain the trust of the breweries and, you know, trust these employees to, to represent your business. You know, can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. So I think definitely training is super important. Our guys go through rigorous training to make sure that they can run a tour on their own and that they know every single thing about every single brewery that we go to, to the point where the breweries might try to snipe some of my guides because <laughs> they don't have to train them anymore, which has happened in the past. Oh, uh, but So there's definitely that training. We did. Uh, I, my COO is a commercial brewer, so I think that definitely helps know the brewer's mindset uh, and be able to address their concerns as, as well as that, that credibility that we, I discussed earlier of having done this and kind of been, uh, and, and have been approached with all these different, um, hiccups and things along the way that I've been able to troubleshoot. So we know what to expect in every situation Mm -hmm. and how to handle that. Well, sure. There, there's still like competitors though. Right. And, uh, and, you know, growth is a struggle too. So, you know, if we go from 2012, you know, almost like kind of working our way to current day, um, you know, how have things uh, changed and and what have you experienced along the way? Definitely there's been more competition since the earlier days when I started. Back in 2008, there was maybe two brew tour companies in the entire country, me and, and someone out west. Um, and then, And now there's probably, I mean one for every major city almost uh just given that craft beer has been explosive to the point where i mean i don't think it can it can uh continue at the clip that it's going there's gonna there's gonna have to be some uh popping of a bubble of some sort because everyone's been growing it's it's growing at over 400 breweries uh per year that could get ugly (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, the brewery, the way the breweries the talk and the whole idea that they all grow together is, is they do, they help each other out. They they swap ingredients, they swap recipes, they do, they go out of their way to help another brewer out. But at some point when when the success isn't, isn't there at all the breweries, they're going to have to become a little bit competitive. Well, the brewery mentality also has changed, so it's not as much of a distribution game as it used to be. Back in when I started the tours, now it's accommodating your local area, becoming mm-hmm. that tap room experience that you go to and want to, uh, and and the sales that comes out of that tap room. So I think that's also helped us grow because we've been able to help new breweries. We'll we'll work with breweries that haven't been open to the public yet and kind of have them hone their either their their tap room spiel or their tours or just kind of get the word out just with those breweries that aren't even open to the public yet. 
So bringing them, onboarding them even before they're open has really helped them kind of grow. Yeah, and that's something they can't do themselves. So that's a nice service that you provide. And there's also definitely a demand for people to see breweries that aren't open yet. So that's good for everybody. Yeah. You know, with this talk of growth and you being in multiple cities, I know you mentioned your COO was a former commercial brewer, and it sounded like right around the time he came on board, sort of helped fuel that expansion. Um, What did you decide to do in taking that first step to expand the business outside of, you know, Vermont and Boston? Sure. So I think the first step was to identify that I can't do everything. And I hired my first, and this was before my COO was even working in the company, was hiring my first operations manager. Uh, And that really helps grow to a much more of a process-based organization versus me working 24 hours, seven days a week, trying to get everything done. So I definitely recommend to your listeners, if anyone's trying to start a business, you feel like you're being pulled in too many directions and they're burning the candle at both ends, it's probably time for you to hire another person. And if I didn't, and I wish I did that sooner, just because it, even peace of mind, it just makes, it it really helped grow the business. Just getting, bring on that other person as that, um, the uh, stakeholder in the, in who, who wants the same thing as you. Yes, I would think it's a stakeholder, sounding board, someone just to, you know, be in this with, having that other person. Because um, I'm I'm sure we're going to get to where you're at now and your future plans, but at the time we're talking about right now, you were still working out of like a home office, right? Yep, yep. So uh, it wasn't until about a year and a half ago that I bit the bullet and got myself an office. And, but yeah, I was working, there's no separation between work and home. So how did you decide, I mean, with that Boston traffic, how'd you decide where to uh, set up an office? So I was in Boston at the time. Uh, We had Boston, Burlington, Vermont, uh, Philadelphia, and DC all running before we didn't, until we decided that it's no longer, we need an office and that was June of last year. Oh, that recently. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I I get that. Now, I'm not a fan of commutes. I like to ride my bike to work if I can. Um, I I do drive when it starts to get pretty cold. So, did you uh, did you pick one that was a little close to home yourself? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm the same as you. If if it was more than an eight minute drive. In traffic, I wasn't going to go to it because I've been working from home. Because <laughs> you can work from home since since 2012 from the 2000. So I had four years of working from home. So I I, I knew this was going to be a big change. So I found an office that was six minutes from my house in traffic, and that was the only way that I was going to be able to handle office life. So Chad, I've been. Uh... As our listeners know, and as you know, I've been trying to get this city off the ground with with their own bus and have uh, run into a bunch of different um, issues with the uh, paperwork, the state insurance. Um, 
things that maybe the maybe the bus was maybe the van would have been a better idea <laughs> than but I already have the bus um so my struggle has been with uh just trying to get um the right insurance and affordable insurance the state to approve everything uh not to mention we're new with ride sharing it, it started late june so our state is not years into this experience with letting other people ride with with just regular drivers right um, what were what were your biggest struggles? So I definitely think insurance is a I can commiserate with you with it comes to insurance. I'm always trying to find a way to reduce my insurance because it's an astronomical price because insurance companies don't like driving intoxicated people around. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything with alcohol and driving is essentially a red flag for an insurance company, so you can't go through the voluntary market, which is just terrible. Um, so that's why it's so expensive. Uh, so insurance and then also finding the right people, the hiring process that I think was definitely a struggle for us of finding the, the people that were able to execute what I, my vision, because going from the startup of doing everything you're taking, you're putting your trust into other people to do it as if you would have done. Well, and yeah. I think that's, that was definitely a hard point for me just to be able to come to that uh, realization that this is necessary and then finding those people to be able to do that. Because you went out there in Lederhosen and picked people up in the mall, so it was obviously a passion. Um, so yeah, trying to find somebody that shares that passion and do it responsibly is, is always going to be an issue. Yeah, but definitely dealing with legal... Um, Local governments, as well as the insurance, just from your perspective, I would commiserate in those two pain points. Yeah, I hear you. Well, when you're, (laughs) (laughs) it's true. Uh, We were getting. But I would go with. I would take. I mean, I know you. You love the bus, but you might want to take out some of the seats and turn it into a 14 passenger. Oh, it is a 15 passenger bus. So it's not CDL. Oh, New York State. No, it's it's too bad. It's New York State. You need a CDL for eight or more. <laughs> really? Uh, you need a, a CDL for eight or more people? Yeah, with the bus that is this weight. Yeah. Oh, because it's gotcha. so big? Yeah. Oh, it's the weight. It's the weight. Yeah. Well, you know what? We've been we've been on this journey with Bill, and we're going we're gonna to keep Bill, cruising along until he's rolling. Bill might go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Chad. No, Bill. I, I, we're excited for you, Bill. I'm serious. No, I you know. know. I, I'm excited. We're, we're, we're real close. We're closer than we've ever been. You know, Chad, if, I think this is a perfect time to bring up. It sounds like about a year ago, maybe even less, there was a lot going on in your world, a lot of changes. You're, you're hiring a bunch of employees. You had, you know, moving out of the home office. Um, but you, you got married recently too, correct? I did in June. And I noticed online this like almost like behind the scenes, like caught on video wedding proposal. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I happened to um, propose. Well, so I proposed to my now wife in I don't know a year, year and a half ago, and I wanted to capture the entire experience. And I'm not a person that kind of just I don't. I, I try to go above and beyond. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> you don't half-ass are, it. Are yeah. gathering, <laughs> gathering this from this conversation. So I was like, how am I going to do this? How can I make this uh, YouTube? worthy of a proposal so uh if people are interested (laughs) 
Now you should you check this. Sure. You watch the video on YouTube. You just Google Chad Bro- Chad Brodsky proposal. Uh, Chad proposal, the ride. So, given that I run a tour company, I was like, well, I can probably bring in some type of tour aspect into it, as well as me and uh, my wife love musicals and theater. So I was like, well, how can I bring that into it? So it just happens to be an awesome company in New York City called The Ride that does a a, uh, a tour of New York City, but a, uh, a theatrical tour of New York City where the people on the streets are connected to the bus and the all the seats on the bus are facing to the street. So it's not like all facing forward. Yeah. So you're watching a performance as they drive around the city. That's awesome. And at one of the stops... I showed up with uh, my wife's entire family and all of our friends, and and we did the Bruno Mars like uh, I think I want to marry you song, uh, and then got on the bus and proposed, and it was amazing. It's a pretty good uh, proposal video. I think it and has like. And then I decided I can add, I could monetize and put YouTube ads on it, and I was able to pay for the video. With we have about five hundred thousand views on that video now <laughs> good for you yeah absolutely yeah and it's that's that entrepreneurial spirit in you <laughs> uh-huh. you know like because you have that memory forever you share it with everybody else they love seeing it and uh and it pays for the video so uh man that's great you know uh you know i was married about five years ago myself uh bill what are you are you 10 you going on 10 11 are you serious i'm having trouble right 15 15 oh boy yeah. I, you know, I always like to ask when we talk about, you know, you know, taking on a, starting a new family, basically, how did getting married, you know, influence the business? I think it just gave me another, uh, I mean, my wife was already a sounding board, but uh, actually it really hasn't, it didn't influence it much. <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. Too. She's, she's amazing, but I had the company kind of already running at that point and but it just gave me some another sounding board of trusted advice. As soon as I get this VHS tape converted, <laughs> my YouTube video is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, but boy. going along the whole getting married thing and like starting uh, and like getting starting a family, I think there's definitely ways to bring that from the company perspective because, as I said, a year and a half ago, this company was completely different, and it really all started by bringing on my COO who I was talking about earlier, who actually started as a tour guide, a part-time guide in DC. And I think that's definitely an important thing to understand. Like this person started at the bottom of the totem pole and just showed uh, the enthusiasm and the drive and the intelligence to work his way up to this COO position. And he was that commercial brewer uh, who I mentioned earlier that really helped grow. So we went from, uh, from just the back office, uh, two to about seven now full-time employees. That's that's pretty amazing. In about and, a year and a half. And he sounds, uh, he sounds like a perfect fit. So that's, you know. Yeah, he has more of that data-driven uh, logistics operation. I'm more of strategy, marketing, um, and that just willing to talk to anyone type of personality. So those two, knowing what your kind of weak points are, mm-hmm. I think is definitely important when you're starting a company to find that other puzzle puzzle piece match for what your business needs. Do you have any of that data-driven stuff in you, or is it just kind of I can overcome it if I do it the right way without... I can, 
I, I definitely have it. Like I was doing okay. finance and oh, so yeah, with numbers definitely. and so I could do it all, but it's not something that I enjoy kind of r- jumping into the numbers for hours at a time. I'd rather just go and talk to the person and tell me that information. Yeah. But I could do it if I had the time, but I just don't have, the, don't time have the time to, to do that. So that's why I came out and someone could be much more effective at doing it. Even if I can do it, they can do it quicker or better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We've done a lot in uh, 10 years with this, and um, you're at six cities. Um, I'm guessing that you're still growing? Yes, we're we're looking to grow much more rapidly in the next uh, couple of years. So right now it's been one to two cities a year. We're hoping to – usually it's about one city a year, one to, yeah, one to two, uh, two this year. Um, but we're hoping to make that three or four – in the coming in 2018 and going forward. That's amazing. Yeah. And that'll we're be just a... figuring out which cities that we're, we're looking to do. You know, it sounded like before they, you probably pick cities where you could drive to, you know, in a day, but, um, is the sky the limit right now? Is it just a plane right away? Yeah. So I think it is now just the kind of plane. What we've done now is honed what we've done in every other city to make it, a step and repeat type of process in these new cities. So we really know what we're doing to open up new cities. So I think it doesn't have to be me driving more, not more than 10 hours to a new city, mm-hmm. which was the furthest is probably Pittsburgh to uh, Boston. How is Pittsburgh working out? It's a difficult, difficult city to navigate and, um, I'm kind of familiar with Pittsburgh uh, driving through it just this past weekend, actually. Um, and the breweries are kind of in different areas, at least the, the bigger ones. Is that is that a challenge for you? So we try to group the breweries in kind of different neighborhoods. So we'll try to hit, if we're going, let's say, to uh, Spoonwood, we'll try to get Mindful. Mm-hmm. as another brewery on that tour. So it, we're at least getting two breweries if we have a more than a 15-minute uh, drive. We typically don't drive more than 25 minutes to any stop, though. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, Chad, as we sort of uh, bring this thing to a close right off into the sunset, we always uh, move on to some uh, some advice. And, you know, Bill, this... <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> this, is, oh. this is great. You know, but we always like to ask what advice you'd give to somebody just starting their own business, and it could be any business. But you know, you've been uh, you've been in this for you know the better part of a decade, and uh, and you've got plans for growth. So, what would you say to somebody just starting out? I guess I have a few, and some of them are some are just kind of generic advice, and some of them I think are just super important. So, persistence. I think a lot of people sometimes take no as the answer and as an entrepreneur you just you can't take no as an answer so persistence 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 uh another thing is don't wait to hire that first employee so that first employee is definitely going to be key in that if you have co-founders that's great then you might not have to hire that first employee right there but if you're an individual founder that first employee is an amazing thing to have someone to that sounding board and stakeholder and uh, grow or die. (laughs) That's my opinion. I'm not content with just kind of having a small business. I think there's always has to be iterations and you always have to um, 
if you don't if you don't keep growing, someone else is going to come after come into your market and take your cu- customers. So I'd say that those those are some of the advice that I would give any future or any entrepreneur at the moment or any of your listeners. Yeah, great advice. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. You know, and uh, as we sort of uh, end this thing, I can't wait to to try this. Uh, I don't know, Chad. Do you, do you get an opportunity to take any tours if we make it up to oh, Boston? Oh yeah, that's re- it's re- research and development. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I think a little R and D is uh, is definitely in our future. So maybe, maybe after the baby. You tell I'm wearing. We're wearing the badges. Oh, yeah, I'm but- wearing my uh, my City Brew tours badge. From DC, my name. He's got, his, oh, name. Nice. He's got uh-huh. his name right awesome. on it. And yeah. uh, Rich is wearing my wife's. Yeah, <laughs> it's got her name on it. But no wonder That's you awesome. got you got right to the front of the line with this thing. That's right. That's right. This yeah, looks you like, get this VIP beer pass. So it's very wearing, professional, and it's for you to keep. And it has a ton of awesome, uh, whether it's a beer flavor wheel of how to actually taste different beers, whether you're t- tasting a Hefeweizen, you can have an interactive tour where you can be like, oh, I taste banana or cloves mm-hmm. and there's this interactive flavor wheel we have beer food pairings in this uh vip pass there's a lot of awesome stuff in that pass one more thing they did which we didn't touch on which i think was super cool was they were we our, our van was packed like there were 14 people on the van and everyone got to know each other really quick but uh steve who was our driver um asked us you know as we're driving like what do you like and uh you know, a lot of us like stouts, and I know that's kind of rare on these. A lot of these beer beer geeks and people that do these tours, are the sours are getting popular, and the IPAs are always there. And there are a lot of people that like stouts, so he made sure on each brewery that we went to that there was at least a stout for everybody to taste. And to customize a tour, even even a little bit like that, is uh, that consideration for your passengers goes a long way. And I'm sure um, that's why you've been successful is, is you didn't just force feed people what you normally do. You took into consideration what, what they like. And that was one of our favorite things about the tour. That's great. No. And yeah, we try to do that on every tour. Uh, we curate that experience based on the, the group of people, whether it's a bachelor party looking for just a fun time or, a couple that are really looking to get into this craft beer movement will figure out a way to kind of address each group and tell them the stories that apply or are applicable to their different questions that they have and whatnot, as well as the different beers that they love or they don't love. If someone says, hey, I've never had this beer, we're going to try to open up their palate as well to some beers that they've never had before mm-hmm. so that at least we can find a new beer that might be their new favorite. And when you uh, when you do one of these tours, it's all included, so you're not you don't have to pay for a beer you don't like. You just get to taste it. If you don't like it, you don't have to drink it. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, the entire tour includes uh, beer, food, transportation, everything. So you literally just need your ID, and for five hours you will be taken care of, as oh. if you were best friends with the brewery founders. All right, I. That was our driver's goal. Yeah, he did say that. He goes, I just want. I just want to be able to walk in here one day by myself, not on a tour, and have someone hand me a beer because I'm, <laughs> and say thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. that's a good goal. Awesome, awesome. Well, Chad, hey, uh, before we close this thing out, one more time, where could people find out more about you or your business online? Sure, absolutely. It's citybrewtours.com. We also have Facebook and and Twitter, and that's citybrewtours are our handles on that as well and each city has its own instagram where the guides are 
always putting up awesome photos of tours so you can feel like you're actually in that experience as well if you check out our instagrams which are city brew tours plus the city name and i know we definitely have listeners in boston burlington because we've interviewed people from there oh yeah it's also in baltimore dc pittsburgh and philly and more coming soon <laughs> awesome awesome all right well guys i hope you enjoyed hearing chad's story Bill, I think I think this was another great one. Awesome way cool. to uh, begin this uh, this new season for us. I love it. Happy I got to uh, talk to Chad. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank well, you, guys. This was awesome. Thank really you. Appreciate the time. Chad Brodsky, Bill. That was great. Yeah. Did you learn something? I did. I definitely did. And uh, maybe maybe I'll have two. You know, maybe what? I'll have three. Let's start with one. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Just hearing his advice to maybe go on to that conference, maybe a, maybe a little trip to. Uh, oh yeah, we'll go. Some of the conferences in, 100%. Is in order. Well, yeah, hopefully we're running by March because no point in going until we have the state approval. But um, yeah, if we're up and running, that's that's the next step is to network and 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 connect with people and see and and constantly improve, see how everyone else is doing it and what you can implement into your own your own business. Yeah. And I liked his uh, his story about not being afraid to hire that first employee because I think a lot of people try to do everything on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not even sometimes like tell people about your ideas. Or I what might you're be doing. one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think this was a good one for what you have going on personally, and that's sort of a, a theme for the season. You know, to try to uh, start a new business, new family on my end, and. Yep. And uh, it should be pretty good. So that's good. Hopefully, you guys like that one. Let us know. You know, t- uh, tweet us or uh, mention something on Facebook, and uh, and uh, that'd be much appreciated. We uh, didn't ask him uh, what the new cities are. Mm. Well, uh, we'll have to we'll have to have I'll him on again. Send him an email. I'll have him on again. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, as always, I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. Okay. Until next time.